culture as I use illustrations. Yeah. Sorry about that, buddy. Um, so this engagement period is usually a time to really pursue the other person in hopes that they won't back out of the marriage, right? Uh, so you wine and dine one another, you date one another, you try to impress one another, and enjoy the presence of one another, all in order to make it to the wedding day, right? Well, what God wants us to know is that we've already made it to the wedding day. We're already married to him. Here's what Isaiah 54, 4 and 5 says. It's up there. Isaiah 54. Fear not, for you will not be ashamed. Be not confounded, for you will not be disgraced. For you will forget the shame of your youth and the reproach of your widowhood. You will remember no more. For your maker is your husband. The Lord of hosts is his name. And the Holy One of Israel is your Redeemer. The God of the whole earth he is called. So now that we're in this inseparable relationship with God, God says, let's enjoy being together. That's what he wants from us. He just wants the enjoyment of being together in this relationship. We no longer have to fear that God is going to back out of the engagement any longer. We don't have to worry about whether or not God likes us or if God's going to put up with our idiosyncrasies or get peeved at us at times. We don't have to worry about whether God will forgive us when we fail him. All of that is secure. Again, nothing can separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. Don't miss that. So when we get to passages in the Bible, like the Ten Commandments, we understand that God is telling us these things in order for us to enjoy our relationship with him. Not to gain his favor or anything else. Not taking the Lord's name in vain is to honor, cherish, and worship his name. It is to enjoy him and that all his name represents... It is to lift up his name as the name above every name. And obeying this commandment and any other commandment in the scriptures is not to gain, to gain God's favor or to earn his love. You already have his favor. And you didn't earn his love. Jesus did that for you. So God is saying, let us enjoy this relationship which I've created for us to be in. That's what it's about. Okay, with that as a foundation, sort of our first point, let's move on to sort of the nitty-gritty of what does it mean to take the Lord's name in vain. So let me read the, the verse again. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. And now let's, look, let's take a, a focus on the name of the Lord and what vain means. Now, I, I'd done some research about the name of the Lord and, and all this stuff, and I'm like, okay, I was trying to put it together, and I found this quick video from the Bible Project, which all of you guys, not all of you, I'm sorry, some of you guys know about the Bible Project, these cool videos, so I thought, he says it a lot better than I do. So let's watch the video real quick. For thousands of years, every morning and evening, Jewish people have prayed these well-known words as a way of expressing their devotion to God. They're called the Shema. Hear, O Israel, 
The Lord is our God, the Lord is one. And as for you, you shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your strength. We're going to look at the second key word here. Lord, written in all capital letters, this is the personal name of Israel's God. We first learn the meaning of this name in the story of Moses and the burning bush in the book of Exodus chapter 3. God appears to Moses and he commissions him to liberate the Israelites from slavery. And so Moses wonders, what if people ask the name of the God who has sent me? And so God responds, tell them, Ehyeh has sent me to you. Now, that Hebrew word, Ehyeh, means I will be. In other words, God's name means that he is the one who is and who will be. God's existence doesn't depend on anyone or anything else. This God simply is. But it will sound kind of strange for Moses to go say to the Israelites, I will be has sent me to you. Only God can say, I will be. So in the next sentence, God tells Moses the version he should say aloud, Yahweh, the God of our ancestors, he has sent me to you. Now, that word Yahweh is the ancient Hebrew form of the verb, he will be. And this is the personal name of the God of Israel. It appears over 6,500 times in the Old Testament. Now, here's what's interesting. Over the centuries, Israelites wanted to honor the sacred nature of this divine name. So as they read the Hebrew Bible aloud and they came to this name, they stopped saying Yahweh and instead started saying the Hebrew word for Lord, which is Adonai. Now this practice has been continued throughout the centuries. And so later, when people started translating the Bible into English, they adopted the same practice. Instead of spelling out the divine name, they translated it as Lord, spelled in all capital letters. Okay, you got that? Good, because there's more. Ancient Jewish scribes wanted to prevent anyone from even accidentally saying this name aloud when you read the Hebrew Bible. And so they came up with a visual device to remind you to make sure you say Adonai. They took the four consonant letters of the divine name. These letters correspond to our English letters, Y-H-W-H. Then they inserted the three vowels from the word Adonai and combined these together to create an artificial hybrid word, which if you pronounced it, it would say Yahuwah, but no Israelite ever said Yahuwah. It's simply a visual reminder to say the word Adonai. Now, it gets more interesting. Much later, Christian scribes came along who didn't know that Yahuwah was an artificial word. And so they began to say it aloud and spell it in their writings. This is the word that eventually entered into English as Jehovah. It's a word many people still use today. But the main thing is the word Lord in all capital letters is an indication of the divine name. Don't confuse it with the word Lord in your English translations that's not in all capital letters. That is the actual Hebrew word Adon, which just means Lord or Master. This word can refer to people like kings or the master of a servant, even a shepherd over his sheep. And sometimes biblical authors will use this word to refer to God, like in the phrases the Lord of all the earth or the Lord of Lords. But behind all of these words, Yehovah, Lord, Adonai, stands the original divine name of the God of Israel. It refers to the one who was, who is, and who forever will be. Okay, so kind of a historical background on these words, right? And what I, what I found interesting was that um, the Hebrews um, were so concerned about not taking the Lord's name in vain that they kind of made up these other words that they would say so that they would sort of circumvent not saying the Lord's name in vain, right? So, you know, Yahweh, Adonai, turns into Jehovah, 
okay? We read all those in our Bibles and so forth. Uh, what, what I think is interesting, too, is that um, I think God wants us to just say his name, but he wants us to do it reverently, you know? Like, we, I think they're just, as, as Hebrews and Jewish people do, sometimes they sort of, they're so afraid of breaking the law that they come up with some other thing to do to not break the law. And I feel like, no, let's just stick with God's name. That's who he is. And we're not going to say it irreverently. We will call it holy. But let's go ahead and say it, right? Anyway, God has many names for himself in the Bible, including Jesus Christ. Let's take them all seriously, okay? Let's take them all seriously. Let's consider all of them holy and worthy of honor and worship. So one question we might have is, why is God so concerned about his name? It's just a word, isn't it? Why would God be so concerned about his name? Well, there's several reasons, but I just want to hit on a couple. One, because only his name counts. Only God's name counts. Okay, there's only one true God, and that is the Lord, all caps. We went over that in the sermon in the first commandment, in the second commandment as well. And God is the true Lord, right? Not just a master or a shepherd, but the great shepherd, capitalized. The king of kings and the Lord of lords. God does not want to be confused with any other competing gods, lowercase g. Okay? So that's the first reason. Only his name counts. Secondly, because his name is connected to his character, right? So his justice, mercy, grace, everlasting love, kindness, power, supremacy, all those things, all the character of God is wrapped up in his name, okay? Thirdly, because he wants us to call on his name alone when we are in need. Let's read Psalm 86, verse 1 to 7. Incline your ear, O Lord. See the all caps there? You're going to notice that now in your Bible. When you read it. And answer me, for I am poor and needy. Preserve my life, for I am godly. Save your servant who trusts in you. You are my God. Be gracious to me, O Lord. For to you do I cry all the day. Glad in the soul of your servant. For to you, O Lord, do I lift up my soul. For you, O Lord, are good and forgiving, abounding in steadfast love to all who call upon you. Give ear, O Lord, to my prayer. Listen to my plea for grace. In the day of my trouble, I call upon you, for you answer me. Okay? So he wants us to call upon his name alone when we are in need. And then lastly, God wants to, why is you know, his name important? Because his name is connected to his works. So the Lord himself wants his name to be connected to his supremacy as God alone. So Psalm 9, verse 1 and 2 says this, I will give thanks to the Lord with my whole heart. I will recount of all of your wonderful deeds. I will be glad and exult in you. I will sing praise to your name, O Most High. So God is very concerned about his name. So what does it mean to use God's name in vain? First of all, it means to empty it of all of its meaning. To empty it of all its meaning. It's, it is to say that God's name has no worth or value when we take it in vain. 
So when it's used, uh, we would also say that this happens when it is used with contempt or just nonchalantly, like you would use any other name. Um, it also means to take God's name in vain when we uh, use God's name profanely, as in profanity, or irreverently. So when we use God's name and attaching it to a curse word, we're taking it in vain. It is to lack belief in the one who is God. And then there's also an understanding that using God's name in vain, when we say that we are God's people, but we don't act like it. You catching on to this one? When we, when we call ourselves the Lord's people, taking his name, but then we don't act like it, we're taking his name in vain. It's empty of all, it empties it of all of its meaning because we're not acting according to who God has created us to be. Um, think about it this way. So you act as a, re, uh, uh, as a representative of your family name, right? Think about one of your kids doing something stupid that tarnishes the family name, right? Um, we, we wouldn't want that to happen, right? You wouldn't want, like if your kid goes out or, 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 or whoever, and, and they do something, and, and it tarnishes the family name. Like, then you're embarrassed because of what happened, because you're attached to that name. And I think this goes back to the idea of, of the relational aspect of this command. God's name protects us, and we are to protect God's name. That's what families do. We protect one another, and we protect the name. So these are kind of the negative instances, right, of taking the Lord's name in vain. But what, a, what, a, what about the positive ways in which we can actually use God's name? What are some positive things? Well, first of all, when Jesus was asked by his disciples how they should pray, remember back in Luke, Jesus says, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Right? Hallowed be your name. So what was Jesus telling us about the name of God? A lot of things. First, that we must honor and set apart God's name as sacred. Honor and set apart God's name as sacred. When Jesus was born, what did the angels sing? Let's read it. For unto you, this is from Luke chapter 2, for unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. And then when Isaiah saw the grand, his grand vision of God in Isaiah 6, the angels called to one another saying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. So we must honor and set apart God's name as sacred. Another way that we, positive way in which we can honor God and with his name and so forth is that we must trust in God's name and believe that he is our redeemer. Trust in God's name and then believe that he is our redeemer. Psalm 33 says this, our soul waits for the Lord. He is our help and our shield. 
For our heart is glad in him, because we trust in his holy name. Let your steadfast love, O Lord, be upon us, even as we hope in you. So we trust in God's name and believe in him as our redeemer. Again, Psalm 30 says this. Sing praises to the Lord, O you his saints, and give thanks to his holy name. It's a lot wrapped up in God's name, isn't there? Amen. Thank you. Okay, what else? We must worship God's name as he is the only true God. Remember, he does not want us to be confused with any other gods. He's the true God. Um, Psalm 96. Oh, sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Sing to the Lord. Bless his name. Tell of his salvation from day to day. Declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous works among all the peoples. For great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. He is to be, a feared, ab to be feared above all gods. See, one of the problems that the Israelites had as they came back to... Well, as they were in Israel... Excuse me. As the Israelites were in Egypt, as they marched into the promised land, one of the issues they had was... All these other nations were worshiping false gods. And God did not want the Israelites, his people, to confuse him with all these other false gods. Okay? And so he was very intentional about making sure that his name would be praised. And then finally, we must stand for the truth of God's name by living holy lives. Right? That is a way in which we... We won't take God's name in vain if we're actually filling our lives with holy living. So um, Philippians 1.20 says, Paul says this, As it is my eager expectation and hope that I will not be at all ashamed, but that with full courage, now as always, Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or by death. So we honor God, we honor Christ and his name by living holy lives. Okay? So, Ten Commandments are about relationships, our relationship with God, our relationship with others. We'll get to those in, this, in, the, in the, six, the last six commandments. We just understood what it means to, to not take God's vain, name in vain, but also to honor God's name and to, to worship Him through His name. And then lastly, we come to this. What if I fail at keeping this command? Will God hold me guilty forever? And I know this is the question you're all asking. After I explain to you my tirade, is Fletch going to hell because he had that breakdown? It's a great question. And we need to answer it. Here's the answer. Anytime we break any of God's commandments, we are guilty. Every person in this room is guilty. Especially me. Romans 6.23, familiar passage to some of you, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And then Romans 6.23 takes it a step further, for the wages of sin is death. Okay? So those who are, held, who are going to be hold, held guilty of their sin, of our sin, will be liable to the death penalty, to dying forever. 
So if we're all guilty and we are all sentenced to death, then what hope do we have? Is there any hope that we have? What do you think? Yes, there is. Okay, so let's have Peter and Paul explain it to us. This comes from Acts chapter 2. So on the day of Pentecost, remember, uh, Jesus has been crucified. Um, He died. He was buried. He rose from the dead. He appeared uh, physically in bodily form to over 500 witnesses for 40 days. And then he ascended into heaven, right? And after he ascended into heaven, um, he sends uh, the Holy Spirit out into uh, his people and into their hearts. And there's this huge outpouring of the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost. From, we read it in Acts chapter 2. And so Peter gives this sermon. And here's a portion of it. And he says this. And in the last days it shall be, God declares, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. And your young men shall see visions. And your old men shall dream dreams. Even on my male servants and female servants in those days I will pour out my spirit and they shall prophesy. And I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below. Blood and fire and vapor of smoke. The sun shall be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the day of the Lord comes. The great and magnificent day. And it shall come to pass that everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. So in response to this sermon, here we pick it up in verse 37. Now when they heard this, this sermon, the people that were listening were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, brothers, what shall we do? Where's our hope is what they're asking. You've scared us now. Where is the hope? And Peter said to them, repent and be baptized Every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. And then the Apostle Paul says it this way in Romans 10. He says this, because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. For the scripture says, everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek, for the same Lord is Lord of all, bestowing his riches on all who call on him. And then he repeats this, Prophecy from Joel and from, that's repeated in Acts. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Isn't that beautiful? Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. God takes his name very seriously. And that day that I had my br- breakdown, I was not taking it seriously. And, and, you know, when I got to, to, to uh, prepare for the sermon and I saw the, the uh, commandment that I was preaching on, I mean, I knew exactly what I was going to say. I mean, I knew exactly the illustration I was going to use because I haven't forgotten about that day. It's going to take a... I'm wanting the Lord to just sort of wipe that from my memory, right? 
But maybe he keeps bringing it to my memory so that I know there is a better way than to have a meltdown like that. And that way would have been to, to run to his name immediately. Right? Instead of running to uh, a bunch of cussing and, and, and cursing myself or taking the Lord's name in vain, I should have run to the name that is not empty but is full of grace and mercy and goodness. Right? And wanted, wanting me to be in fellowship that's what I should have done. And, 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 and now I think, it, you know, after going through all this and, and thinking, I'm like, okay, that's, that's going to be my, uh, my go-to in the future. Now I know who I am, so I know I'm going to fail again. I'll have another breakdown. Hopefully not as bad as that. But hopefully those breakdowns will get less and less as God continues to sanctify my heart and my mind and remind me when I get into a situation that's completely out of my, my control or one that's so frustrating that I, I want to say those things that I'll stop myself and say, no, I don't, I, I love God more. I love my relationship with God more than I do having this meltdown. I don't need to have that. What I need is Jesus. I need to run to his name to call upon his name for help, for sanctification. So we will fail. We have failed at keeping this command and all the others. But thanks be to God who has sent, who has sent His Son Jesus to us to be our substitute for the death penalty, to be our Redeemer. And so I'm imploring you this morning, call upon His name only those who believe in the name of the Lord will be saved. Why would you wait? Why continue to try to live life outside of this beautiful relationship with the one who created you, with the one who loves you more than any other in this world? Call on his name this morning for your sanctification, but call upon his name this morning also for his salvation. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Almighty God, Prince of Peace, Wonderful Counselor, Jesus Christ, Holy Spirit, Lord, your, your names go on and on because your name backs up your character and you, you continue to uh, reveal your character to us through the Scriptures. And I pray, Lord, as we search the scriptures, as we study your word, as we meditate on these truths and and see these different names that you have for yourself, that we will call upon them in our time of need, that we will worship you for who you are, that we will keep your name sacred and holy as, as rightly it should be. And Lord, when we fail, I pray that we will go back and call upon your name again, but not in vain, but with full assurance that you hear us, that you know in our hearts that we're running to you for help, for sanctification, for salvation. Lord, there is no other name, and we worship you this morning.
Amen. Okay. Thank you. The ushers are going to come forward at this time. You guys can make your way forward.